we are live from sunny South Florida on Backseat Banter. My name is Jonathan Silver, joined by Sam Kruchikov, and we have a special guest today, Zach from Cleveland Sports Talk. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're very excited to preview this big NFL matchup coming on next week. Um, and honestly, one of the most surprising teams of the 2020-2021 season, Cleveland Browns. Uh, so you cover all Cleveland sports, right? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, so we're going to be also diving in to some basketball. There was a big James Harden trade that the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers were involved in. So we're going to be covering that as well towards the end of the podcast. So make sure to stay tuned. But before we get into the main episode, a word from another podcast. Thank you guys so much for sticking around, Zach. Uh, what, what are your initial thoughts when looking at this Cleveland Browns matchup against the number one seed in the AFC Kansas City Chiefs? Because this team, the Chiefs, it's, it seems like they're the next dynasty in football, that they're going to be the one seed in the AFC for years to come. But the Browns are off to a hot start eliminating the Steelers uh, in, in the first week of the wildcard matchups. But do the Browns have a legitimate shot at dethroning Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Well, I definitely think the Browns have a shot. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they're certainly obviously the underdog going into the game. I do think that the win over the Steelers gives the Browns some momentum that Kansas City doesn't necessarily have because they, they've been off with the bye week and whatnot. So despite the fact that the Browns are underdogs, I do think that they're going to play um, a highly contested game against, like you guys were saying, uh, one of the next dynasties in Kansas City. So it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of fire behind them right now. Uh, they come off a huge win against the Steelers. They were 28-0 to zero at one point. Uh, but the, it seems like they're still living rent-free in the minds of Steelers players. We've heard uh, Chase Claypool talking a lot about how, oh, they're going to get whooped next week by the Chiefs, so we don't care. Um, but I, I have a feeling that people within the Browns organization and, and the fan base as well uh, feel pretty confident about their chances. What do you say about that? Well, I would say that I'm more so confident that it'll be a close game and that it's not just going to be a blowout, but I'm definitely giving the edge to Kansas City mm -hmm. in regards to, um, like, if I had to pick a winner at this point. But like I was saying, I do think the Browns can compete with this Kansas City team. I, I think it'll be a close game and an exciting game. And yeah, I think the uh, Steelers players are just very <laughs> salty about what happened in the last game, and they're kind of taking it out with some of their quotes. To yeah. The media. Chase Claypool came out saying that the, the way the Browns won was disrespectful. He wouldn't have been so salty in the way he was responding on on his TikTok lives if the loss wasn't as I don't I don't yeah. necessarily agree with Chase Claypool, but. Just just for a little context here, this is the guy whose teammate dances on other teams' logos talking about classless. Uh, Juju, he did it because he, he thought it was fun. It wasn't disrespectful at first. And then the media, you know what the media does. But um, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward 
to seeing if the the Browns can establish a run game early. And if they don't get down uh, big in this game early, they need to dominate the run with probably the best running back duo in the NFL and secure, you know, the pace of the game. They can't let the Kansas City Chiefs just dominate them on the offensive end. So their their defense is they have the edge on defense in Kansas City. That's what separates them, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts, Zach, on this defense and and how it can be able to contain uh, the the offensive weapons, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you name it. Well, I think the biggest key is actually keeping the Browns' defense off the field, like you were oh. just saying with the rushing attack and sustaining drives and doing that sort of thing because I feel like if the Browns defense is on the field for an elongated period of time uh, it's not going to be good for the team and I think that Patrick Mahomes and all those weapons you mentioned are very difficult to defend and because of that it's best that they're on the sideline for the majority of the game while the Browns offense is actually on the field. Yeah, definitely. It, it's tough to contain uh, that offense for too long, but I, I think that the Browns have been surprisingly good on the defensive end of the floor. They've been able to contest and keep up with uh, some of the best of them. So I think that it gives them a fighting chance. It, what also gives them a, a, an even bigger chance is that their coach is back. Uh, from COVID protocol. He's no longer watching from his basement on a five-minute tape delay. Uh, he's actually going to be out there on the field with the team in the trenches. Uh, how much uh, of an advantage is that compared to last week? Well, I definitely think it helps. I think the players have a lot of respect for Kevin Stefanski, and he's obviously done a great job this year. I feel like in a sense, though, they were playing for him last week. Mm -hmm. And so with him back, I think it will help, but they might not have that sort of, I don't know, just like uh, that feeling of wanting to almost impress their coach that isn't there, mm -hmm. so to speak. But I definitely think that having the coach back on the sideline is going to be big and it'll definitely help the team just with the basic functions of a football team from calling the plays to uh, the analysis of the game and what's going on and making adjustments and whatnot. So I feel like uh, it'll be a big help for the Browns and I'm excited to have uh, Stefanski back. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jonathan, I'll, I'm going to ask something and then I'll let you go. Uh, last year we saw, for example, the Titans who really upset uh, the whole NFL. Uh, they, they beat the Patriots uh, in the first round and the Ravens in the second round before ultimately uh, losing in the fine, uh, conference finals. But I think the Browns are set up for that kind of feel-good story uh, for this year. Already having a massive upset in week one, having another tough matchup in the, the second week of the playoffs. But um, is this how much of this is on Baker Mayfield's shoulders to go forward and uh, shine against probably the best quarterback in the league right now? I think a lot of it, is on, on Baker to perform it and perform well. Mm -hmm. But what I do feel is that if the Browns do lose on Sunday to the Chiefs, of course, everyone in Cleveland is going to be disappointed. But then I think as time goes on, 
looking back at this season, just even making the playoffs is a step up for this franchise. And then winning a playoff game is even better than beating the Steelers. So with that said, I feel like, yes, obviously, of course you want to win and to continue on and ultimately win the Super Bowl. But I feel like fans will say, oh, this franchise is going in the right direction. And that starts with Baker. And I mm -hmm. think fans gained a lot of trust in him with the win against the Steelers. And like I said, just making the playoffs in general. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up uh, what the fans are going to feel about this season as a general looking back on it. But I, I wouldn't rule out the Browns just yet. I, I know uh, Sammy Watkins tweeted, I wouldn't go that far, quote unquote, uh, when he was talking about the Browns bringing competition to, to the game. So he's thinking that it's a blowout. Maybe we see the Browns go out there and, and do what they did to the Steelers. The, the Steelers players were talking trash and they, they showed them that they could really come out and play better football than they did. And they absolutely did. My main thing with football is any given team on any given Sunday or Saturday in this case, can win a football game. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you have enough heart, if you have enough soul to win that game, you can win that football game, especially in the playoffs. We've seen teams make that, that run. And Cleveland um, has that kind of fire. So what would it mean if, if Cleveland's season doesn't end this weekend? If Cleveland can dethrone the kings of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, and move on? to the AFC championship game. Like. Oh, well, it would it would mean everything to this fan base. I think just beating Pittsburgh alone meant so much. And if you add another win in another um, round of the playoffs and to get a shot at going to the Super Bowl uh, would have this fan base absolutely ecstatic just with the opportunity ahead. So I think that like you were saying, any given Sunday, that's completely true. And what I've talked about on um, you know, various podcasts and articles and whatnot is the difference between football and say um, the NBA or MLB is mm -hmm. their playoffs are series. So if you are a football team, even if you're say the best, like a Kansas City and you have an off night mm -hmm. and your opponent has an on night and they dominate you that's it it's just one game and that's what happened with the browns and the steelers i would say many people would put the steelers as the better team but they had a bad night and the browns had a great night and look what happened the browns are advancing so if that could happen again against mm -hmm. kansas city i think that it will just have this city absolutely going insane. Yeah, and one thing that um, I, I wanted to bring up on top of that is also that uh, you were talking about how the city would be happy even where they are now, and they have a lot to be happy about, especially because they're doing all of this without their star receiver and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, how do you think he fits into the puzzle moving forward? Not obviously for this playoff run, but going forward into next year and beyond. Yeah, OBJ is... He's an interesting, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, tidbit to the this Browns team. 
I really felt like there wasn't much of a connection between him and Baker Mayfield when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. I think he still has a lot of value, um, whether it be through a potential trade in the future or something like that, where another team would say, hey, we see this guy on the Browns in Odell Beckham. He really doesn't seem to be fitting in there, but we feel like he can fit in on our team with our quarterback our coordinator, et cetera. And they'd be willing to offer the Browns something good in exchange for a trade for Odell Beckham. And I also feel like on the flip side, there's a chance that they could keep OBJ and just try and figure out a way to work him into the offense Mm -hmm. where he still gets the ball enough, but it's not like they're forcing it to him every time. And I think that's something that was the biggest issue is that Baker would just try and force the ball to OBJ because he's the star. He's the number one guy and it, it just didn't work. So yeah. the, the Browns offense, what really, happens. The Browns offense really has the most success when they're running the ball, right. With uh, probably like we mentioned earlier, and we can even dive into that a little bit more. Uh, the, best running back duo in the NFL right now, would you say? I would say so, yeah. Um, so when you bring in a, a star receiver, whether that's Odell or someone else going forward, whether it's a rookie, a free agent, whatever it is, you still want the emphasis on where your strength is, and that is in the running game. Uh, so I think anything they do moving forward, even with Baker really um, outperforming uh, some of the expectations that people might have had for him, it's still to rely heavily on that running game right yeah exactly right that's how the browns had the most success is when they're able to run the ball and able to get both nick chubb and kareem hunt involved in the game that's for sure so i i'm i'm looking at this team and obviously they're one of the best running offenses in the nfl and, and their defense is really really strong uh Coming in, not only on, on this weekend, but in the next coming years, um, I really need Baker to take that next step and be in that elite QB conversation for the Browns to get the validation that it seems like they deserve this season. Baker is, is having a hell of a year. He's, he's lighting up teams whenever he needs to. And sometimes he doesn't need to because the run game, you, you said it, if, if they establish it, they win those games. And, and Baker doesn't need to go crazy with his numbers. What will separate the Browns from other teams moving forward is not only the ability to run, but if Baker can win the game with his arm, if he can rely on Jarvis Landry, maybe Odell Beckham next year, Austin Hooper, these really, really strong targets on offense to carry the game, not only on the run game, in the pass game, that is what will take the Browns to the next level. What do you think about the evolution of this pass game? And and how long uh, have you been covering Cleveland sports for are you like a Cleveland fan like your entire life or is it just recently that you've been covering them yeah so um I started this this brand about 10 years ago it's it's coming on the 10-year anniversary but yeah I've been a fan basically so I'm turning 24 so I've been a fan basically my entire life and then in regards to the the Baker Mayfield Um, stuff you were saying I I agree completely I think he has a lot of success and the reason why this team is in its place was for what we were just saying about the the running backs 
if you give the ball to the Browns on the five on their own five yard line with say like two minutes left and they're down a touchdown, I don't know if I trust Baker Mayfield to be able to lead them mm-hmm. on a game winning scoring drive like uh, Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning per se, at least mm-hmm. at this point. So I definitely feel like there is still much evolution in his game as a quarterback right now he's able to rely on his running backs and and that's great Mm -hmm. but I still think there's there's work to be done and he he's still very young and he still has some maturing to do and he has matured a lot this year so I feel like he's definitely on the right track um there were a lot of Browns fans um earlier in the season that were saying you know we're done with Baker we want to move on and and we're we're going to draft a quarterback in in this upcoming draft or sign a free agent so mm-hmm. and i definitely think he's changed those minds with his play <laughs> in in the the playoffs and getting the browns to the playoffs for sure at the at the beginning of the season there were some points that the people were saying he he had more commercials than touchdowns <laughs> and it, the, there was so much controversy with this team but when they went uh when obj went down with the injury it kind of lit a fire under this team. Jarvis Landry took that next step, and they really just rode that wave into the playoffs. And they're not stopping, it seems like. They're going to put up a good game against Kansas City. I think it's going to be a lot closer uh, than Vegas is predicting it and, and then all these other teams are predicting it. Um, yeah, Cleveland has a real shot. I, I don't know if it's just me. Um, I don't think this Cinderella of a year run is over. I think this is the, the turning point in Brown's uh, sports uh, history where, where we hit that mark and they go from the 0-16 teams that we've seen in the past to really a good football organization. Yeah, uh, completely agree with all of that. And what, what I'll just say about this upcoming game against Kansas City is um, I've been saying that I'm, I'm predicting Kansas City will win but I think it's going to be a very close game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, a lot closer than people expect. And so I'll say as a Browns fan, obviously I hope the Browns win the game mm-hmm. duh, as, a, as a fan, mm-hmm. but as long as they put up a, a good fight and they, you know, don't get destroyed, uh, I'll, I'll be satisfied. And I, and I already am pretty satisfied right. with this season. I feel like the team is on the right track for the future I think that they have some spots they can improve on, whether it be like we were talking about with an OBJ trade for some defensive players or some draft picks or this mm-hmm. here and there uh, for, for next year and for the coming years. So I'm excited about the future of the team almost as much as I'm excited about this upcoming playoff game this weekend. Right. And you said you've been a Cleveland fan for quite some time. So you've gone through... Yes uh some big lows and now some big highs and that's across all sports uh basketball obviously they've had some atrocious years and then they were a dynasty for a few years too um and i'm pretty sure we don't really follow uh baseball too much but i think they've had a lot of success recently there too right yeah um so can you talk about more of that story of uh starting this brand 10 years ago when cleveland was not really at their peak and then watching all the sports teams grow into really respectable franchises yeah so i 
became a Cleveland sports fan when I was, like I said, just, just a young kid. Mm-hmm. And it was at a time when really none of the teams were, were good. I mean, the, the Browns were terrible. This was before the Cavs drafted LeBron James, mm-hmm. um, just a few years before that. And then this was um, post-90s Indians, but before they became um, relevant again towards like mm-hmm. 2007 and, and that time time frame. So I actually became a fan really when the teams were at their low point. Mm-hmm. And I think there was part of that that I actually liked where I was sort of a fan of the underdog always. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's been exciting to watch the evolution of these teams sort of as I grow up, the teams have grown up also in the sense that they've started to win and, and become relevant. And obviously with right. the Cavs championship, um, ending the, the drought of championship list years in Cleveland, that was thrilling. And then now talking about the Browns um, and making the playoffs and then the Indians back when they were in the World Series too. So it's been exciting seeing the teams evolve and become relevant again. For sure. Why, why Cleveland? Are you are you from the area? Yeah. So I live in a, a suburb of, of Cleveland. It's about 25 minutes away from the city. So that is is the reason why I, I am a Cleveland fan. But it's not like my parents are these diehard fans or mm-hmm. or whatnot. I kind of gravitated towards the teams on my own. So it became sort of my own passion. That's awesome, though, because like you said, it, it's it's nice being uh, a fan from the beginning. It's uh, every time that, for example, on social media, they post like, you're only a true fan if you remember this. And then a player mm-hmm. uh, that was only there when real uh, fans were still watching. And um, now that maybe a, a lot of other people are getting on the bandwagon, you've been there before, you've seen this team at its low points, you deserve to see it at their high points uh, especially for example during that Cavs run it seems like wherever LeBron ends up a uh, horde of fans seems to follow and uh, that that 3-1 comeback run seems a little bit more special when you were around uh, for the horrible years um, it, it means probably a lot more to the city uh, can let's uh, transition out of talking about uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers they actually had a pretty hot start um, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland seem to be figuring their way out in the league, they seem more comfortable out on the floor. Uh, and now they've just been involved in this blockbuster four-team trade where they got Jared Allen for free. I think they sent out the Bucks 2022 first-round pick. I think that's all it took to get Jared Allen on their squad. Um, now they have five start-worthy big men in Kevin Love, Drummond, um, Larry Nance, JaVale McGee, and now Jared Allen. So... Uh, some weird questionable moves, but it doesn't seem like any of those were bad moves. Uh, let's talk about the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, so I I feel like I don't want to say I want the team to tank, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like in the NBA, if you don't get a top pick and draft one of those top stars out of college, then you're just going to be stuck in this mediocrity for many years. And 
the Cavs obviously got LeBron and he left and then he came back and without a LeBron and then you pair him with a Kyrie Irving per se, um, that team never would have been anywhere close to a championship. Mm-hmm. So with these tra- with this trade the Cavs were involved in, I was kind of confused because I don't know what they're exactly looking for if they want to just be instead of a below average team, just an average team. Mm-hmm. And we have a plethora of big men now. So I think they will make either either in the in the coming days or weeks or this offseason some more trades to um, get rid of a Kevin mm-hmm. Love or an Andre Drummond per se to a team yeah. that's actually contending. So the only concern I have is it's not that I don't want the um, team to win, but if you're not going to contend for a championship, just the mediocrity is not mm-hmm. really helpful. Right. Yeah. So I know Drummond's contract, I think, expires after this year. So that's probably just a signal that they're moving on from him once he's done. I don't know uh, what Kevin Love's contract is looking like, but I'm assuming it's done in the near future. But they could flip it earlier if, if that's what they're inclined to do. Uh, Jonathan, you're gonna say something. Yeah, I w- when talking about Cleveland, I I look at their their two main pieces in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, and I see the potential in those guys forward. And I think that's what the the plan is to build these two as a, a dynamic duo and evolve them. You you don't think that building that duo is gonna be strong enough to make this team contend in the near future, or they shouldn't be you know winning as many games as they have been right now well I do see potential in in those two guys but like I was saying at at the same time I don't want to be just an average or above average team Mm -hmm. you want to be at the at the top and I don't think those two guys alone will be able to carry the Cavs back to where they were say in 2016 when they won the championship with LeBron and and Kyrie and whatnot. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this, this plays out, but I just don't know if it will actually be beneficial totally um, down the line. And it's a scary part about teams overperforming ahead of schedule, right? Because they've been actually playing pretty well. they I think they're currently, what, like the fourth seed in the East? Right now, obviously, it's only been about a month of basketball. But they've been really overperforming everyone's expectations. And there have been injuries now uh, and COVID protocols to both of their uh, star guards. Um, Drummond's been out. Kevin Love's been out. So it seems like, hey, if those guys come back and they can keep rolling, they can make some noise in the Eastern Conference, but then it's, can they make enough noise to dethrone now the, the heavyweight favorites like the Nets or the Bucks? It's probably not enough to do that, but can they get to the second round and make everyone excited? Sure, right? But it, then you're stuck in that, like you said, that limbo zone in the NBA where you're good enough to win a first round upset, but you're not good enough to go any further than that. Uh, and it's really hard to pull the plug on a team that's winning, right? So it's a tough situation. So if you were in the, the management, the organization, uh, what would you recommend they do? Keep it rolling and hope for the best or uh, sell the team while it's hot? 
Well, I probably wouldn't have made that trade or been a part of that trade um, because I feel like those guys might actually help the team win some games, but not enough to be a championship contender. Mm-hmm. So since that's a done deal and it, it is what it is, I guess you just have to ride out the season, see just how good the team actually is and then sort of take it from there, depending on how well they do, if they make the playoffs, how, how far in the playoffs they go, and then work on trying to build a team that can actually contend for a championship and not just be a one-and-done or maybe make the second-round type of team. I think there's also a path here that we're, we're not putting some light on. Um, if they do outperform expectation this season and they show that they're, although they are a smaller market compared to the big markets in the NBA, if they show that they have that, that grit and that grind and, and that they're one of those teams that although they don't have the name talent on their team, that they can win without the big guys, we might see them, you know, like the 2017, 2018 Clippers with Danilo Gallinari as their best player. They might attract some big free agents. I know Los Angeles is a different market than Cleveland, but uh, like the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George offseason uh, for the Clippers. So there is uh, a plan for a team like this that's outperforming expectations with really good role players and, and a few young bright stars that, that haven't really developed into their full potential. But that is an attractive spot for a, a really good small forward in this free agency, maybe, maybe different guys like Blake Griffin could come down, but he's who knows if Blake Griffin can make that team contend. But the point is that the, the only path for this team, in my opinion, isn't just tanking. If they develop a rapport and, and like a team identity and a culture, uh, they could potentially be in the swing for some of these big free agents. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that if you talk about team identity and, and that type of thing, I know I've mentioned LeBron a bunch of times, but I think that him coming back and mm-hmm. um, winning that championship really brought an identity to Cleveland and kind of put the basketball team back on the map. And I think right. that stuck with the franchise, even though he's he's been gone for a few years now. And so I do feel like they could sign a, a free agent here and there now, will it be enough to contend, contend for a championship? Once again, it's more of a wait-and-see type of thing, but that is a very good point, and it is something they could do. And the other thing I was thinking about was, so they got two players that seem like they're both really good but shouldn't work together uh, in Garland and Sexton. They kind of both fill the same exact role for the team, uh, and they're both playing out of their minds uh, individually. So maybe one of their values goes so high that they could flip him for an asset that uh, actually would help the team moving forward. Maybe a small forward, maybe uh, just another shooting guard that's a little bigger, able to play with some more defense, some kind of option like that. Obviously, they could pair a piece like that with one of their 10 big men and actually make a more balanced roster so going forward that they can develop those guys together maybe it's through the draft who knows but the problem with cleveland is that it's not the biggest free agent destination so they have to find more clever ways of getting around that the trade market is one of those ways the draft 
has been the other way that they've been able to find a lot of success. Uh, what kind of value you think Colin Sexton or Darius Garland can can bring in, and which of those would you be more willing to part ways with? I think they both bring a ton of value. The one I'd be most willing to part with is Garland. I think Sexton just has more of an explosive type of of game, and he's really able to command that point guard role. That's not to say that Garland isn't a bad player. I think he's he's very talented. Uh, I just feel like Sexton's a bit better, a bit more, like I said, explosive. And if I were to choose between the two, I would choose Sexton. Uh, but I do think Garland could provide mm-hmm. some assets in return if he were to be traded to a team that is in need of a, a point guard or a shooting guard or whatnot. Would you say that this is the um, the consensus amongst Cleveland fans, or are you kind of an outlier in, in this opinion? I think Cleveland fans really like Sexton. I think they they like Garland as well, like I was saying, but I just think Sexton has the edge in in, in that regard. Maybe maybe because of the leadership uh, that he can provide. I know there were some clips of him in college playing three on five because his team got ejected and, and they almost came back and won the game. And, you know, you are, as, as a Cleveland guy, you probably know, uh, every defensive play, the energy that he brings at, at the point guard position is very underrated uh, for a point guard in, in today's NBA. But I see the growth in both these players. I I like Garland a lot as well. I, I think not only the pace that Sexton brings, the, the shot that Garland brings is just as important. But in, in a trade kind of point of view, you, you're probably going to get more value from Garland because of how much he can space the floor for your team and not only play on ball, but his off ball skills in Cleveland that have developed since letting Colin play uh, the point guard position. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Garland's game's a lot more passive and Sexton does carry that leadership role as well. But I, I do think Garland is an attractive piece for another team. And he is someone that could provide value in a trade. So like I keep saying, it's not as if I I don't think Garland's a good player. I just just think Sexton has a few more traits and Mm -hmm. a few more uh, characteristics that are just better for this team. Yeah, a lot of it does come down to intangibles, right? Where it's not necessarily yeah. the skills that he brings on the court. It's what he can do off the court. It's how does he fit with their offensive schemes or defensive schemes, all sorts of things like that. Uh, but before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, so you've really grown this brand now for, you said, 10 years? Yeah, just about. Just yeah. About to- Have this unlocked any cool uh, stories for you, any experiences that you wouldn't otherwise not have had the chance to have any interactions with anyone in Cleveland sports, um, any sort of interesting stories that came out of this? Well, absolutely. Uh, We've gotten passes to Pro Bowl week, um, Super Bowl week. And um, I personally wasn't able to go to those, but members of the the writing staff Mm -hmm. were actually able to go and 
interview a bunch of players and different people within the the NFL. And so that was really exciting. I've been able to go to a bunch of different events, whether it be Cleveland-based, like uh, at um, First Energy Stadium where the Browns play, mm-hmm. just different things like that. So yeah, it, it, it has provided a lot of opportunities for sure. That's awesome. Uh, do you have any like personal like examples of a story that you that really stood out to you where you were actually able to go in there and, and have an experience that um, you'll remember forever? Well, this was a, a story and I actually just told this on a, a different podcast too. Uh, I once just was going to breakfast at a local eatery and I happened to run into a girl who was a, a friend of mine from high school and she was wearing a um, Cleveland sports talk shirt. Oh. And so uh, I go up to her and I say, Hey, nice shirt. And it was just a really cool experience because, you know, I didn't like tell her to wear it or anything, mm-hmm. but I happened to run into an old friend and she's wearing my websites and my brand that shirt so that was really cool just to see how far the the brand has come over the years and there have been other instances like that as well um throughout the years so that's just a good example of um just an exciting moment for me that's awesome so i have one last question before we officially wrap it up what does your brand entitle like when when you talk cleveland sports talk how do you define uh, your brand uh, in a general sense? I would say our brand, the, the goals are to be sort of an alternative for the um, generic sports talk that you get from even say ESPN or the local newspaper or local radio. Mm-hmm. And it also gets amateur writers the opportunity to have their voices heard And I think that's really cool. A lot of another cool thing for me is seeing uh, people who used to write for the site now writing for um, actual publications as like a job or what something like that. And just to know that I was a part of that Mm -hmm. building process. So that's cool also. But yeah, I'd say an alternative, um, something different for fans to be able to enjoy Cleveland sports talk as in the name, but just from mm-hmm. um, a different perspective. Yeah, it seems very in touch with that fan base, uh, a lot closer than even, like you said, like a local newspaper can get uh, because it's real interaction with the people from the people, right? Right. It's a, it's a brand built by the fans. Uh, that's uh, yep. what you guys that's go, the, the, the hashtag, yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Zach, uh, make sure to go check them out on Twitter at CLE sports talk, Cleveland sports talk. Uh, they got some great content out there for, for you, Cleveland fans and, and even fans of the NFL, make sure to go check them out. Uh, and, uh, NBA, MLB, whatever you need, Cleveland, uh, related, uh, this page will give it to you Uh really, really great conversation. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hopefully we can get you on uh, again in the near future to, to talk some more Cleveland. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to the, the game this weekend and 
in, in the future, hopefully more success. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. All right. Backseat banter out. <laughs>